First Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Stand with me, if you would, for the reading of God's word. Peter says this, But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for these powerful, beautiful words. I pray that you would help us to apply them to our life. And may you be glorified through them. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Today's message is entitled, The Honor Protocol. The Honor Protocol. Respect, <clears throat> that is a rare occurrence in our world in this day and age. Respect. I want to share with you this a little bit this morning, and I'll tell you why in a minute, <clears throat> about the doctrinal concept of respect, and that sounds really dry. Simply how you and I should show honor and respect to those around us. And again, we'll see this in just a moment, but it is so rare anymore. And, and if nothing else, it'll make you stand out in a world without honor, in a world without respect. The definitions I have found include, for the word respect, a feeling of deep admiration for someone or something elicited by their abilities, qualities, or their achievements. Or <clears throat> another one said, respect is a way of treating or thinking about someone or someone else. If you respect your teacher, for example, you admire her and treat her well. People respect others who are impressive for whatever reason, such as being an authority like a teacher or a police officer or being older like a grandparent. The Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy, if you've ever read that, describes respect this way. It says, respect has great importance in everyday life, which is interesting because that's why I'm sharing with you about it. It is important. What I'm about to tell you is important. What God's word has to say to you about respect is important. So listen closely. They went on to say, as children, we are taught, one hopes, to respect our parents and teachers, school rules and traffic laws, family and cultural traditions, other people's feelings and rights and our country's flag and leaders, the truth and people's differing opinions. And we come to value respect for such things. When we're older, we may shake our heads or our fists at people who seem not to have learned to respect them. We develop great respect for people we consider exemplary and lose respect for those we discover to be clay-footed. We may also come to believe that a person, excuse me, that at some level, all people are worthy of respect. Both respect and honor are often seen as synonymous, and if you really want to know about respect, you need to look at the Bible, because it has a great deal to teach and to say on the subject of respect. So this week, I challenge you to show respect in just a few ways. I think there are about five ways. <clears throat> Started with three, and then it went to four, and now I think it's five. So in five ways. Number one, show respect in our witness. And this is right out of today's passage. Look there with me, if you would. <clears throat> For 
excuse me, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Peter is compelling us to share our faith, by the way. That's the subject. It's not really about respect. It's about sharing the gospel. And he, as he gives us this mandate, and it is a mandate, you and I are supposed to share the gospel. We are expected by God to share the good news about Jesus Christ. But he gives us guidelines on how to do this. He says, <clears throat> in, in terms of caution, he says uh, in this in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Then he says this, but do this with gentleness and respect. Now, I suspect knowing Peter, do you, you remember Peter, <clears throat> who always ran over his, his own tongue? He, he opened his mouth way too often. He was way too blunt and direct and sometimes says thing, said things that he probably deeply regretted. Young, foolish Peter, brazen, a, a bull in a china shop, as they would say, verbally. Now he's older and he's wiser. And something tells me he's tried to share the gospel in more than one way. And he's discovered over his experience that there's a right way and a wrong way to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. You have to keep in mind, these men, they had Christ as their teacher for three years, but they didn't go to seminary. There was no seminary. They didn't go to Bible college. There was no Bible college. They didn't pick up a book or textbooks on how to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. They didn't have church growth evangelism in, in college. They didn't have personal evangelism in college. They, they had none of those courses. They were the first group, the first generation, the first ones to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's no precedent for this. So I assure you, Peter got it wrong. <laughs> because he's Peter. He's like you and me. And over the years, he's learned the, the way that's not effective and the way that is effective in sharing the gospel. And so he tells them, you should always be ready. Be ready. Don't ever get caught off guard when somebody asks you why you believe what you believe. Be ready for the moment. God will guide you. His spirit will empower you to share the good news of Jesus Christ. It's an opportunity waiting. Peter says, but, but when that happens, I want you to do it in a particular manner. He says in our passage for today, but do this with gentleness and respect. Now, gentleness is a subject that I've spoken about the last two times I've preached here. You can, if you weren't here, go look that up online and watch those services. Gentleness is so very important. But in this passage, which I've mentioned, he says, do it with gentleness. And then he adds that word with respect. Now, how could somebody, this is rhetorical, how could somebody, which is, by the way, a word I tried to teach the kids at VBS this week, rhetorical. They didn't know what rhetorical meant. That means you, means you think about an answer, but you don't verbalize it. That was hard for them. Bless their hearts. Uh, what was the question I was going to ask? <laughs> How can you share the gospel in a way that is not gentle and not respectful? If I could give a biblical example, it would probably be Jonah in the Old Testament. Now, he didn't share the good news of Jesus Christ because Jesus hadn't come yet. He never heard of Jesus. 
But God did call him to go preach in Nineveh. And obviously Nineveh, which was uh, where the Assyrians live, it was their capital. They were wicked, evil, terrible people. And any, even a secular historian will tell you back then, the Assyrians were awful. They were, they were really bad. And so God decided he was going to wipe them all out. But he sent Jonah to Nineveh to, to warn them. And the reason, obviously, God wanted to warn them was he wanted them to repent. If he didn't care about them repenting, he would have just gone ahead and destroyed them. He wanted to give them one last chance because God is a good and gracious God. Slow to anger and abounding in love. And he thought, I'm going to give them one more chance. I'm going to send Jonah to preach to them. Only Jonah didn't want to go. And when he finally did get there, there was a little incident with a big fish on the way and God gave him an attitude adjustment. So he went there and he preached, but he wasn't happy about it. And so his sermon obviously wasn't a Baptist sermon. It was one point, one sentence. <laughs> and he, it was 40 more days and Nineveh will be destroyed. And that was it. <clears throat> and, and Jonah was looking forward to it. He couldn't wait. After he preached to everybody and told them, you got 40 days, it's over. He went up on a hill to watch the big mushroom cloud come up. He just couldn't wait to see all those Ninevites die. And when they repented, it made him mad. He didn't want to see them repent. Now, there is a temptation the devil will give us to use the gospel of Jesus Christ in a similar manner, just to let everybody know they're going to go to hell, that they're going to go to judgment. And by the way, they will go to judgment. They will go to hell if they're apart from Jesus Christ. That's true. But God doesn't call us to condemn the world. We're not the judge. We are the ambassador. We're the ones called to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And so Peter, realizing this, learning this probably the hard way, says, you know, I've, I've learned the way it works and the way it doesn't work. And let me tell you what works. When you share the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news, with gentleness and respect. So you might be asking the question now, how? Okay, all right, I get it. Be respectful. How? And to whom should we show respect? Well, I'm just going to give you a few ways. Number one, show respect to your parents. I'll say this right off the bat because you have to know that I'm going to say that. <clears throat> the oldest command that we have concerning respect, or actually two of them, and one of them, is, they're both in the Ten Commandments. One of them is obey your parents. And actually, it tells us not just to obey them, but honor them. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 2, Peter quotes that, ten, that, that great commandment from the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. God expects us to respect our mother and father. Now, you may be sitting there thinking, well, my mom and dad weren't very good people. And I get that. Not every parent is a wonderful parent. And every parent, as a parent, I can tell you, we're all flawed. We all make mistakes. We're not geniuses about being a parent. If I had 20 or 30 kids, had 20, we won't. Kids, we won't. By about 25 or 30, about 25 or 30, I'd have it down. I would be good. It's really difficult. We have three kids and we're not perfect. I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. But it's the same time. But it's the same commandment doesn't mention anything about perfect parents or even good parents. Or even good parents. It does not, excuse me, does not 
Mrs. Murphy's Law, you could be clear of the bell all week. You get up to preach and there you go. Forgive me for that. It doesn't say if your mom and dad are good people, if your mom and dad, or if you decide they're honorable, then you can honor honorable, respect them, then you respect them, then you're off the hook. It doesn't say that about any of these things. Now, should your parents be respectable? Yes, or respectable? Should they be honorable? Absolutely. But the commandment doesn't give that condition. You don't have to agree with them. But it says you honor them. It says you honor them. To our youth, one of the most important things that will determine your character in life is how much you respect, how much you can honor your own parents. <clears throat> Did you know that there's a program on TV, there's a program on the longest series in history, it's been on for 30, 30 seasons, uh, uh, 10 years longer than the 10 second place, by the way, and it's a little cartoon called The Simpsons, you all know it, you all grew up with it, in fact, if it were a real show, if it were a Simpson, I was like 10 years old when it started, and so you are a 43 year old man now, is that not remarkable, bad way, and in all of those years, Bart's typically does not refer to his dad as dad or his father. He calls him Homer. Because Bart Simpson is a stereotype of a disrespectful child. But he's a pretty good description of our entire nation. We have 300 million Bart Simpsons anymore. We, we have forgotten what it means to have honor and respect for others. So this week, show respect for your parents. Secondly, this week, show respect for your spouse, if you're married. <laughs> you're off the hook if you're not married. But if you have a husband or a wife, you honor them. Ephesians chapter 3, uh, excuse me, chapter 5, verse 33, Paul is writing the church in Ephesus when he says this, However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. There are times where I wish that Jesus had been married. Can you imagine Jesus with a honeydew list? We would have seen an example of how he would have treated his wife and how he would have acted and reacted in all of those situations and scenarios as a husband and as a father. But then I'm reminded that though Jesus was not married, we do have many examples in the New Testament of how he treated women. The woman at the well, who was most certainly an outcast due to the fact that she'd been married five times and the man she was living with was not her husband and was probably ridiculed and mocked and spoken dishonorably by the people in the town came across Jesus at a well, and it changed her life. No one, no one had ever spoken to her the way that Jesus spoke to her. He didn't condemn her. He confronted her with the fact that she'd been married so many times, and she was living together outside of wedlock, but he didn't condemn her in the midst of that. On the contrary, he announced to her he was the Messiah. That was a, a gift of knowledge that he had not shared with many people at that point. He treated her with respect. Mary and her sister Martha, who were mourning and grieving the loss of their brother Lazarus, 
Four days after his death, <clears throat> there's still a crowd of people there. Mary and Martha are crying and they're mourning and they're grieving. And Jesus went there to resurrect Lazarus from the dead after four days in the tomb. But he was so respectful of Mary and Martha and what they were going through, he delayed the resurrection for a little bit so he could stay there and cry with them. He didn't say, look, Mary, Martha, dry it up. Stop your bawling, bunch of ball babies. That might, might be what I'd say, but that's not what he said. He was respectful. His own mother, Mary, even on the cross, he showed respect for her by asking young John to take care of her and treat her as if she were his own mother. Behold, he said, your mother. The woman caught in adultery, everyone else was quick and more than happy to condemn her. But Jesus forgave her and even saved her life, protecting her. Jesus treated every woman with respect. And men, we should treat our wives the same way. And yes, ladies, you should know the same respect and show the same respect for your husband because it tells in multiple passages, I don't have time to go all of them, but you can, you can Google the word respect in the Bible and it will come up time and time again about husbands and wives. Both husbands and wives should honor and respect one another. Next, this week, I want to challenge you to show respect to your authorities. We should show respect to our authorities in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17. And what a powerful passage. Peter says this, show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers, fear God, and honor the king. I could do a series on that one verse. He says a lot right there. But he begins by talking about respect. He says, show respect to everybody. Not just the ones you like, not just the ones you agree with. Everybody. So if you get stopped by that police officer and you know you weren't speeding, tell him you weren't speeding, but do it in a way that shows respect. I saw a news program this week. There was a protest in the last several weeks. And at this protest, all the police were there. And there was a protester this close to the face of a police officer. And they were just yelling and cursing at the police officer and the cops are no good and get rid of all of them and all these horrible things. And he's just standing there taking it. I understand that police officers are just like you and me. They're human beings. And I understand there are good ones and there are bad ones. But the fact that they are police officers, I believe Peter would tell us, God would tell us, we should respect them because they're in positions of authority. Don't always have to agree, but respect them. Did you know that Franklin D. Roosevelt was the uh, uh, 32nd president of the United States? And not only did he serve during an unprecedented, unpre unprecedented time, but he served an unprecedented four terms in office. He was also the first president that had a significant physical disability. FDR was diagnosed with what they called infantile paralysis, better known as polio, in 1921. 
Generally, he was in a wheelchair as a result of his polio. He, he had really recovered from polio, but it did his damage on his nervous system. He could, with some help, occasionally he could stand uh, as long as he had a cane or he was propped up. He couldn't walk. And most of the time he was in a wheelchair during his presidency. But there are very few pictures of him ever seen in a wheelchair. And the reason there are so few pictures is that because Roosevelt had a, a gentleman's agreement with the media, with the press, to please, he said, please don't take pictures of me in the wheelchair. He didn't care about himself. He said that because he didn't, during this volatile time in our history, he did not want our, uh, our allies and especially our enemies across the world to see the president of the United States in a wheelchair because he felt it conveyed or they might interpret it as somehow as weakness. And he didn't want to think th them to think that. And so he just said to the media, would you please not photograph me in a wheelchair? And they respected and honored his wishes, which is why you almost never see a picture of him in his wheelchair. Very rare. Because our media, listen to me, as hard as it is to believe, our media and our journalists had respect for the office of president. Ooh, not today. Today, our media and most Americans are just the opposite. Our presidents, whether Republican or Democrat, our presidents are despised, hated, mocked, and dishonored at every turn. Sadly, Unfortunately, that is one thing that conservatives and liberals share together in common, is that we hate, despise, and mock every president that we don't like. And so every president, every president that goes into the office already knows half the country is going to despise him and treat him with dishonor. Last month, President Biden fell off his bicycle while riding. Now, President Biden is quite elderly. Conservative news outlets and social media went wild because he fell off his bike. Memes and jokes and insults flourished. When he, uh, um, when he has a senior moment and he gets confused or he gets tongue-tied, we mock him and insult him. Now, I'm not a big fan of Joe Biden, but he is the president and I will honor that because I believe that God wants us to honor that because that's exactly what Peter says when he says, honor the king. We don't have a king, we have a president. And it's the same thing. He says, you treat that position with honor. I didn't vote for him and I'm not gonna vote for him should he live long enough to run again. But I will honor him. If not because of him, because of the office he holds. And I will do that because God tells me to do so. So the next time you post some disrespectful joke about our president on social media, even though you may feel he deserves it, and maybe he does, I challenge you to consider, does that honor God? Is that what the Bible tells me to do? Now, if you're not a believer in Christ, you do whatever you want. <laughs> it doesn't really matter anyway. You're your, your life's going to come to an end in a few years or a few decades, and that'll be the end of you uh, as far as uh, any relationship or hope with God. But if you're a believer in Christ, 
You don't live for you anymore. That's what it means to surrender to Christ. You don't live for you. You live to honor Christ. And whatever he tells you to do, you do that. I don't care what the media is doing. We have another standard. We have a better standard. And that is the gospel of Christ. So treat that with respect. And then this week, I want to challenge you to show respect to our elders. Show respect to our elders. In Lamentations chapter 5, by the way, Lamentations is quite a book. I don't preach from it too often. Most pastors don't because it's depressing. And there's a good reason that it's depressing because it was a terrible, terrible time in the history of the Israelites. It was their low moment in their life. They had renounced God and they were following after other gods and God sent Jeremiah the prophet to tell them among other prophets, look, if you don't, if you don't renounce these other gods, if you don't get rid of these idols, I'm going to give you this nation into the hands of the enemy. In fact, Jeremiah told them, or God told them through Jeremiah, I'm going to allow Jerusalem and the temple to be destroyed. They didn't believe it. They didn't receive it. They mocked him and made fun of him endlessly because of that prophecy from God. So God decided he'd had enough. He actually used the word divorce, by the way, in his relationship with the Israelites, and he gave them over to the enemy. He used or allowed a, a Babylonian king named Nebuchadnezzar to come in and just wipe out Jerusalem, tore down all the walls, destroyed the temple, destroyed everything. It was just a pile of rubble took all the Israelites back as captive, except for those who were handicapped or elderly and couldn't make the trip. And Jeremiah at that point was an elderly man. And so he was just left there to die. And in the ruins of Jerusalem, he wrote lamentations. He was lamenting what had happened. And he said, things had gotten so bad that those who were considered celebrities and those who were once considered powerful, they were being strung up. But then he says something else that's very telling to us. If you look with me, Lamentations chapter 5, verse 12, just one verse, he says this. Princes have been hung up by their hands. Listen to this. Elders are shown no respect. Isn't that interesting that he would admit, of course, he's a, he is an elder at this point, but he's saying that this society has broken down so much that nobody has any respect for their leaders and they don't have any respect for their senior citizens. But that sounds a lot like our society today, does it not? One of the things I admire about the Philippines is that they honor their elderly in our culture, we act like being elderly is a disease or a curse, when in fact, it's a blessing. There is a wisdom that you will learn from our senior adults that you will not find in any university or any textbook. On Fox News, for example, they have a daily political joke online. I go there every day. I shouldn't, but I do. I don't know why. I guess I'm just not depressed enough, so I turn on the news. And they have a joke, it's a cartoonist who writes just a one caption joke by, it's a conservative political cartoonist, I don't know their name. But no matter what the joke is about, and it's always about the presidency, it's always about Joe Biden. And no matter what the joke is about, he always has President Biden holding a sippy cup. Yeah, 
Some of you know the joke. He's always holding a sippy cup, and he always has this little, the little thinking caption, the little cloud where his thoughts are, and, and the thinking caption is always blank. So he's drawing a blank, and he's holding a sippy cup, and that is designed by the cartoonist to mock him, and specifically to mock the fact that he is elderly. And so he gets tongue-tied when he speaks, and he does. And you may be thinking and, and could have a debate as to whether or not he should be president in his mental state. And that is a legitimate argument. That's a legitimate concern. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about simply mocking him for his age and being ill. Listen, you better be careful about mocking people because of their age because your sippy cup is coming. <laughs> How do you want people to treat you? The day is coming when you're going to get tongue-tied and you're going to lose your train of thought. How do you want this world to treat and honor you? And they, again, they can do whatever they want at Fox News. But as for me and my house, I'm going to train and teach and example and model as best I can to my children to have respect, even in disagreement, have respect for your elders. If you won't respect your elders, you're probably not going to respect anyone else. And I'll leave this with you. I know we're running out of time. I'm going to share with you just briefly, if I can, the lowest moment of my life. I told the early service this morning that I have never spoken of this, neither to you in 24 years as your pastor, nor to my wife. It was on my wedding day. Now, now it wasn't the lowest moment of my life. <laughs> because it was my wedding day. But it happened on my wedding day. Cherry doesn't know because she wasn't there. I was in the men's room with my brothers. I have two brothers and my father was there. And we had tuxedos. We had rented tuxedos. And you're supposed to get your tuxedo a couple days early so that if they mess up the alterations, you can go back and they can try to overnight something to you. But my brother, my oldest brother, who was a very busy man, he had not had time to try on his tuxedo. So he tried it on the first time there in the bathroom. And turns out that, that when he was measured for his tuxedo, the guy who measured it wrote down two numbers wrong. He got them inverted. And that was the length of his sleeve and the size of his waist. And so his pants were like five times too big. I mean, they were just massive. And his sleeves were about here. And even to this day, if you look at our wedding photos, because I haven't got around to going back and photoshopping them, it's still right here. He has a white shirt to here and his, there was nothing we could do. We were an hour away because that's when get, men get ready, an hour before the wedding, if that. So it was just no time. And so we're in the bathroom and my elderly father, who was very elderly at that time and only lived a few more years, he is, he is trying to help my brother as much as he can. And I realize he's doing it all wrong because of my young, brilliant thinking. I think I can do a much better job, but I couldn't get at my brother because my dad was in the way. And I became impatient. And I said to my dad, basically, you're, you're, you're causing more harm than good. Get out. I didn't say the words get out, but I meant it. And as he turned to leave, he just simply said to me, son, I was just trying to help. I think what gets me the most, not only did I dishonor my father, we never spoke of it again. 
It was an elephant in the room, but I never addressed it. I never went to him later and said, Dad, I am so sorry that I dishonored you. Be careful about how you treat senior citizens and your parents because that reflects on you and some things it's hard to take back, okay? And lastly, and I leave you to this, we should show respect and honor to our God more than anyone, of course. You know, there are 11 primary words for God in the Bible. There's Yahweh, of course, it means he is immutable. He is unchanging, all-powerful. There's the word Elohim, which means creator or Lord of Lords. El Shaddai means God Almighty. El Elyon means sovereign ruler. Jehovah Jireh means God will provide. Jehovah Rapha means God heals. Jehovah Shalom means God is our peace. Jehovah Sabbath means the Lord of hosts. Jehovah Shema means God is present. Jehovah Tisku. Diskinu means God is our righteousness. Jehovah Rahi means God, our shepherd. In fact, for them in the Old Testament, in times of the Bible, the word Yahweh, and most of you know this, was not spoken. And any time a scribe or religious leader would read the Old Testament and they came across the word Yahweh, they would read Yahweh, but they would not verbalize the word Yahweh. They would say El Shaddai or Elohim or another word from God because the word Yahweh was to be so honored and revered and respected that they did not speak it. Today, we use the name of God as a punchline. Have you ever seen the movie, Oh God? It's an old movie, but I'm getting older and and uh, that from the 1970s, there was this really old guy uh, named George Burns who played God. Now, the theology in most of the movie is horrible. But there was one interesting scene. He came to earth to speak to a grocery store manager named Jerry Landers. In one of their conversations, Jerry, the, the grocery store manager, without thinking, says to himself, right in front of God, says to himself, oh, God. And God says, yes, Jerry, what is it? <laughs> Jerry says, uh, oh, nothing, Lord. It's just an expression, a figure of speech, nothing more. And then God says, Jerry, that's why I'm here. I want people to know that I'm not just a figure of speech. I'm more than a phrase that people blurt out when they get frustrated. I want you to tell people to take me seriously that I am the Lord. That's pretty profound for Hollywood, especially. I think sometimes we forget that he's the Lord. We should honor and revere him. And so this week, if you're thinking, how can I do that? Well, you can respect and honor God by showing respect when you witness and share your faith in Christ. You can honor and revere the name of God when you show respect to your parents, to your spouse, to our authorities, to our elders. And many we encounter, it's true, they don't deserve respect, but neither do you and I. And God calls us to respect one another anyway. You may feel that your boss or your spouse doesn't deserve respect or honor. Honor them anyway, because God wants you to. When you honor others, it honors God. 
Let this world we live in produce venom. But may the people of God produce, produce respect, kindness, gentleness by honoring others. Pray with me. Father, we come to you today and I, we ask for forgiveness for those times that we have been so disrespectful. And I know we justified in our minds because we think they deserved it. That awful government, that terrible president. But I pray that you would help us to remember this week that when we dishonor others, we're dishonoring you. We're disobeying you. And it matters to you. You've called us to a life of obedience. We say that we have surrendered our, our life and ourself to you, that we don't call the shots anymore. You do. You are our Lord. And our Lord is telling us to honor others, not to mock them, slander them, disrespect them, and dishonor them. The world can do that, but the world doesn't know you. It's in a dark place. We do. We know who you are. We know that you love us, that you sent your son to die for us so much that you loved us, to give us hope and purpose in our life. And our purpose is not to go around slandering and demeaning and condescending and diminishing people. Help us not to do that. Father, there are those that are here that need to call their parents today and apologize. I wish I could and say, look, there are times that I, I didn't honor you. Forgive me. There are times that probably everybody in the room has sown some disrespect for our president just because we don't like him and we don't agree with him. Father, we know that on Judgment Day, that won't be any excuse. You don't call us to agree with him. But I, I pray, Father, that because he is our president, that we would show honor and respect. And he's a senior adult, and I pray that we would not diminish him for that. There may be a senior adult in our life, whether it be a parent, a neighbor, whoever it is, and we mock them because they become absent-minded or tongue-tied. Remind us that our day is coming and we honor them this week because when we honor them, it honors you. Father, lastly, as we share our faith and I pray that through your spirit, you would call us, empower us and provide an opportunity this week as you do most every week to share the good news with somebody around us that there is hope, that there is light in this dark place. And his name is Jesus. And I pray that your spirit would empower us to share that good news with gentleness and respect. As you're praying, no one's looking around. Can I challenge you today? Have you been dishonorable and disrespectful to someone? Have you dishonored your God by doing that? Now is the opportunity, God is gracious, to go to God and be honest with him. He already knows. Say, God, I've been disrespectful to my teacher, to my boss, to my spouse, to my leaders. Forgive me. 
to my parents, forgive me. God is faithful, but you must ask. It may be God is calling you to give your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe you've made a profession of faith in Christ and you want to come forward today and say, Pastor, I've given my life to Jesus. I want to be baptized. Or maybe God is calling you or your family to join with his church. Or you just want to come and kneel and pray and spend some time with your Father in heaven. If God is leading, this invitation is for you. No one's looking around as you continue to pray. Would you stand? And as you stand, everyone stand. As you stand and as you pray right now, you come.